internet is an ocean that we invent as we explore. In the murky darkness of virtual places, there could be dragons, shabbats, leviathans. Certainly I have heard voices on the web who say we will discover or build a god and reach the side of the ocean floor. I am joined by one of my most anticipated guests ever, Ryan Dawson, who comes to us having no idea who I am. So I want to thank this guy like so much for agreeing to come on here and talk to me for a couple hours. We have a lot to well, get to. I always tell people, doesn't matter who you are, I'm going to say what I'm going to say. I don't change what I say. Well, <laughs> that's just that's why I'm a fan of you, man. Like one of my favorite bits is from George Carlin. It's not even a joke. He just says, yeah. uh, yeah, he just says like, yeah, the truth is more funny sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He says, uh, you ever notice that most people are stupid and if they're not stupid, they're full of shit. And if they're not full of shit, they're an asshole. And that's basically what I think about <laughs> like all political punditry. I basically just ignore it. And you're like the only guy who like tells the truth, tells it how it is doesn't like cut corners, doesn't like skimp and doesn't fill it with bullshit. Uh, I don't grift, which is like, probably... I know what I could say to make a lot more money, but what's it? It doesn't matter what you say unless it's real. Yeah. Like I could I... just join a team, right? I could join a sports team. I could join a, one of the political parties. I could join a major religion. I could join something and get a lot more support, but it just doesn't match what I see. Well, the fact that you tell the truth and tell it like it is is also probably why you're like the most banned guy on the Internet. I mean, we don't have to go through the whole thing because you you talk about it a lot elsewhere before the listener, you know, check out his other his other appearances, because you've talked at length about getting kicked off. You, I mean, you've been kicked off pretty much everywhere, but Rumble uh, and then you came back. That's I had videos removed from Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't outright kicked off there. Um one of my very first channel was banned on rumble but because i went straight to uh, a world war ii event i was like let's just see how far they'll go they won't yeah. go that far okay fine but uh i, I like rumble i mean well, other than that they pretty much let you say anything else my pod is on itunes spotify and substack this episode is only going on substack because we're going to talk the real deal oh yeah um, don't put this on itunes no 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 it's only going to go on substack and uh what's i going to say I always oh, forget so, to say I was banned on iTunes because that only lasted like two days. Yeah, I've, I've heard you on iTunes. Someone else has put me on there, like on another channel, like on their own. It's not me. And I think that one's still surviving. But Well, there's some of the anti-Neocon report episodes up. Yeah, it's oh, okay. like selectively, no, not right, right. edgy. <laughs> you know, like... Well, this is going to be Substack only. and uh... Substack's great, yeah. Yeah, well, I wanted to say, OK, so I I've been into conspiracies and, you know, I know you're not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not technically either, but I do use the term. Conspiracies happen. They, they've they loaded yeah. that term. Right. By creating tar babies. They make parallel tar babies. So like 9-11 is a conspiracy. Even the official story is a conspiracy. Right. 19 guys or 20 guys collaborate in a cave and they pull off this attack all by themselves. That's still a conspiracy. Right. Right. 
And then you have the alternatives to that. You have the the fact that Al-Qaeda doesn't work alone, that it does receive covert and secret support from states uh, from its inception to now, whether that, you know, the arming of ISIS in Syria, the arming of Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan, and even on 9-11, they were getting logistical support and financial support and protected from law enforcement by the Saudis and the Israelis. Um, but what happens is the coup movement comes in and starts denying airplanes and saying they're shooting missiles at buildings and all other kinds of nonsense. And that is what gives conspiracy a bad name. The same thing with Jeffrey Epstein. You have these weirdos that think he's still alive and right. they produce all these fake client lists so that I've released the real client list, but it gets lost in the ether is stupid because the, all these QAnon and weirdos and stuff put out all these fake lists and fake stories that the truth now just becomes one of the camps, right? And most people cannot discern the difference between the real and the bull. And that's how they cover it up. They make parallel conspiracies <clears throat> that are just asinine and stupid and very loud. And so, for example, when I approach someone intelligent with what happened, let's say, with uh, Israelis lying about anthrax and associating it to Iraq to start a war. I mean, that's a 9-11 conspiracy. They're just going to roll their eyes and think, oh, God, another 9-11 truther. You're right. Because right. What, all the stuff they've heard before is Alex Jones, Liz Jane, Richard Gage, just dumb. And so it makes it a thousand times harder for someone to tell you a real conspiracy because it's kind of like, well, that, there's a wrong. Mine's the right one. You know, that there's no way to get your foot in the door to show, look, I'm, these are this is all based on documentation. It's pretty easy, actually, to prove. But the only thing that makes it hard is. No one wants to listen to it anymore because they've heard very loud and very ignorant and arrogant uh, megaphoners purporting nonsense. And then the nonsense gets to be on Netflix. The nonsense gets to be on YouTube with millions of views. Anything accurate gets erased right away. And so it's kind of a badge of honor to get banned from things without breaking any rules, right? I'm not saying like you went out and advocated violence or something. That'll get you banned and should. But if you are just accurate with what you're reporting, they'll erase you and then they'll defame you. Well, I, I actually, I have mixed feelings about this because I understand what you're saying and I believed it for a long time. I've been paying attention to this stuff since the 90s. I think we're close to the same age. I'm Gen X. And uh, even like before I was on the Internet, I was reading David Icke. I knew who Alex Jones was as soon as he showed up. Bill Cooper, uh, Behold a Pell Horse. He His trajectory, I really appreciate his trajectory, uh, kind of renouncing the kookery and kind of saying, you know what, all that's all that's a smokescreen for what's really going on. But yeah, Bill uh, Cooper went off script at the, near the end of his life. Yeah, And then he, he said, found out they're going to kill Americans. And then I believe they killed him. Oh, yeah, they they did. And he said they were going to. But um, here, here's where I here's my thing about this. Like, I get what you're saying. At the same time, it all this like kookery, even though it's like filled with misinformation and bullshit and it does like defame the movement. Not that it's a movement, but you know what I mean? Yeah, it does get people really riled up and fired up at the right people. That's what no. gives me pause. You don't think so? It gets okay. them riled up to go barking up the wrong tree. Okay, okay. 
Well, but they all supported it's Trump. It's like all these people know there were no WMDs in Iraq, but then they think the war was about oil. But see, it was right? different. All, it was all these people are mad then, about 9-11. They're chasing around nanothermite and Larry Silverstein, right? Yeah. It's just a, it diverts all the energy in the wrong direction. Yeah. Okay. So you're right, especially in like 2004. But by the time, I mean, I don't know where you stand on Trump. This isn't really a Trump endorsing show, although I do like him. I do think he was like the only good president of my entire lifetime. And my thing is, is that like, despite everything you're saying being true and Alex Jones being, you know, the problem that he is. And I could tell stories, but actually I have a I have a very long essay about yeah, it on dude, my, on my blog. <laughs> well, the reason I'm saying this is that. All of his supporters, for all of their bullshit and all the things about them that I don't like, they did all end up like fervently supporting Trump. And f Trump is like, again, I'm not sitting here like endorsing Trump, but at the end of the day, like he's the sledgehammer against like the regime, so to speak. And he bro he broke the back of two dynasties, the Bushes and the Clintons. They're still around. They, Trump they, is better than the other people that won primaries, but the sledgehammer to break the regime would have been Ron Paul. Okay, but fair Trump, enough. Like, fair enough. And when, when Trump was on with Alex Jones, they actually talked about the dancing Middle Easterners, and Trump thought they were Arab. And Alex, you, you know goddamn well he fucking knows it was Israelis, and he did not correct Trump on that. Okay, He's talking okay. to the future president, and all he, had, all he had to do is say, those guys were from Israel. He didn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, Alex spent... took Trump like Trump was getting close to the sun. And here comes Alex Jones. Whoop. Yeah, that was evil Muslims, buddy. You know, made sure that Trump missed the target. Then that's Alex Jones's job. And he basically did that for his entire career. I mean, there's a clip of him going uh, he, against he's compromised. Yeah. He married a Jewish masseuse. Happy yeah. endings. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> we know all about Jew Jewish masseuses. Yeah. Say no more. But here, let me. OK, so well, what, unfortunately, what I, and this is not to knock people that give legit massages and massage <laughs> therapists and stuff. But there yes, is the a Filipinos, the Filipinos are trained. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, that you almost guaranteed there that it's going to be. Uh, yeah, you know, no, I understand completely degenerate. Well, let me. OK, so here's my original point, because uh, I'm really not. I've been a libertarian basically my whole life, but uh, I, I did like Trump, though, in, in the end. Trump did some but, good things. Look, yeah. the entire Zionist media hates you. You right. did something right. <laughs> right. <laughs> they right, hated right. Putin. They hate Trump, you know, because he didn't get on the war agenda as one of the main things. That's a huge and reason why I like him. That's Yeah, me too. And and I can but I can criticize like he should not have assassinated Soleimani. And he did that because of John Bolton being in his ear and the working group. Da, 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 da. He never should but have had John Bolton on. Uh, he got on rid his... of the Paris Accords. He got rid of NAFTA. He got rid of TPP. He lowered the corporate tax rate, the lowest it's been in 70 years. He wiped out unemployment. He was doing a lot. and But it was more the stuff he didn't do. Right. 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 He didn't start a new war. He did. Uh, he cut off CIA funding to terrorist groups in Syria. He. uh you know, he would not escalate in Ukraine. He tried to get out of Afghanistan. Like, he ought to be praised for a lot of the... He tried to talk to North Korea, and Bolton ruined that, too. Yeah. But he just surrounded himself with neocons. Like, he, he just seems to be whoever he last talked to. And it was really frustrating to watch. It's like, why do you have Mark Esper? Why do you have John Bolton? Why did you have Haley? Like, Didn't you should have had um... Doug McGregor. You should have had... Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, it's okay. I wasn't trying to interrupt. 
I can't remember if Negroponte was... I know Negroponte was around in the 20-teens. I can't remember if he was with Trump. But my point is, Bolton goes all the way back to Iran-Contra and probably before that. But I don't know... Yeah. I don't know how the hell he ever got in or why... Michael Anton gives an explanation for why he let him in, but I, I don't know if it makes sense. But here, let me... Uh, my Nelson original... Adelson said, bring these guys in. I'll give you okay. money. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. That's the yes. short story. No, yeah. I mean, if you... Yeah, if Sheldon Addison. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. No, but my... Okay, so what I was going to say... I've been paying attention to stuff my whole life since the 90s, right? Uh, all the big names, Michael Rupert, Cooper, Jones, paying Across attention the Rubicon, to all of them, right? yeah. Yeah, it was good stuff. I saw the Michael loose change Barrow. video. I, I knew I knew 9-11 was an inside job the day it happened. I was like, I know how this shit works. I know what I'm watching right now on television, right? I totally rejected the loose change. It's 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 a poor, yeah, they had it's been a terrible argument. Within minutes. It's oh, a terrible argument. Got- Scott Horton, I think, said this first, but He's they didn't good. get anything right yeah. other than the date. <laughs> right, right, you're right. I heard you on a show, and I remember him saying that. And then the Sandy Hook thing, too, really, like, I kind of just stopped at that point, right? I kind of oh, was just was like, awful. yeah, I was like, I'm done. I'm done with conspiracies. I'm done with Alex Jones. But my point is this. <laughs> my point is I'd never fucking heard your name. I never heard your name, right? The whole time, right? And then Epstein happens. And I had stopped paying attention to conspiracy theories since the Sandy Hook thing. When Epstein happened, I was like, okay, holy shit, everything was real. Everything, the craziest things people had been saying since the 90s are, is all true. Yeah. Um, So paying attention to Epstein, that's where your name came up. And it was, uh, I've heard your name a bunch of times, but when I did an episode on Balenciaga and I drew the connections from Balenciaga to, uh, and we'll get into this a little later, Podesta and Epstein and Christie's Art House, all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, Balenciaga got in trouble right after Kanye started rattling the yeah. cage. Well, I want to get into that for sure, but but if we can put it off for a second, um, that's when people start. I got like a ton of followers from that episode, and lots of people were like, "You got to check out Ryan Dawson. You got to check out Ryan Dawson." I'm like, "Okay, you know, I've heard this guy's name, but where? I don't." On Twitter, <laughs> they were saying that, right? I couldn't exactly. Yeah, my but point. where could you check me that, out? I was dude, banned. I couldn't. I couldn't find you anywhere. And then the day you came back to Twitter. I remember I DM'd you and I remember this. You had like 14,000 followers, right? And I didn't know much about you. And I DM'd you right away. I'm like, hey, you, I got a podcast. You got to come on. I've been here. And you're like, absolutely, I'll do it, right? Like a, the next day, I checked to see if you'd responded to me. And you had like 40,000 followers. I was like, holy shit, this dude's like huge. Like he he gained like 30,000 followers overnight. So I'm glad it finally came back around full circle. But here we are in July. You're on Twitter. You've got, you know, 55,000 followers. Yeah, I'm I mean, they put the brakes on me pretty fast. But, like, I had, like, a day or two where I wasn't shadow banned or anything. And just and I had a tweet about Epstein with 4.4 million on it. The the Epstein is Mossad? Epstein was Mossad tweet? No, no. I said, like, I'm going to release the client list. I'll never kill myself. You know? uh, yeah, I saw that one, and, too. <laughs> and I released the list. But it doesn't matter because the coop movement goes around and they – they put out all these fake lists and like blaming Tom Hanks and just dumb stuff. Say he's still alive. Right. And it just gets lost in the ether. Like, like the actual list based on real research and victim's testimony and court documents. All like that I have produced with 167 names is just whatever. They're like that. It just, they're like, no, this other list is longer. I was like, that other list is nothing but a (laughs) copy of the flight logs from the black book. There's no research done at all. And, but it, I was gone for so long that they got a big head start. They got to establish this crap from QAnon and the rest of it. Yes, yeah, has zero filter. 
that became this cult, frankly, um, that just they outshout anyone else. Yeah. Who am I? You know, like, well, I'm right. I, I mean, I was talking about Epstein in 2007. Um, no one listened. I'm talking about Dershowitz for even longer. I, like, we've yeah, known dude. he's a pedo for a long time. He even wrote in Penthouse about it, like trying to justify child porn. Yeah, he well, defends these, these one rapist all, after another. Yeah, I mean, look at the man's were, company, right? <laughs> a, a lot of these people were defending uh, Woody Allen and uh, Roman Polanski, and they made it about uh, like an artist thing. They made it like it's an artist thing, but these guys are all connected to these networks. It's not just the proclivity this of an artist. This wasn't uh, pedo stuff in film. This was Woody Allen uh, basically married the little girl he adopted. That's insane, dude. Okay. You know, he you know the FBI probably... takes down people who adopt kids. I mean, this is like a real thing when he did. It's Lansky raped a 13-year-old boy. I mean, this isn't art. Right. But they're defending. I don't them. like that they're, in art they're... either, but there's a giant gap between something and film and actually doing it. Yeah. Yet yeah. they're defended by, you know, people who are supposedly not into it. But uh, so what do you think? What do you think? Let's yeah. start. Let's start at the end and then work backwards. What do you think about uh, the future? D Dershowitz was Epstein's lawyer, too. <laughs> well, yeah, no. Uh, Dershowitz and Ken Starr. Their names have been around since since forever. They're involved in everything. Their names turn up over and over and over again. Yeah. Kenny well, Starr and Monica Lewinsky. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about him too. But let me ask you, uh, let's start at the end and work backwards. I want to ask you what All you right. think about the future now that people like you and many others are allowed back on Twitter, that Elon Musk owns it. Substack, you have a pretty active Substack. Um mm -hmm. It seems like they're kind of okay with everything and anything. And uh, do you think there's a chance now that there's going to be... Because all this stuff was like on the fringes for a long time. And it was attacked and shouted down in the mainstream media. And, you know, 4, 4chan got their feet held to the fire like crazy. 8chan got shut down for a while. Do you think uh, we're going to have a window? Do you think there's a new sort of vista opening up for people like you who are putting the truth out there? I mean, I don't really go for the whole like. I think we needed the full system, like thing, but... every house also needs sewage, right? Right. You need a tank. You need somewhere, and so you can't just build a house and not have a uh, a septic tank, right? And so, I always thought free markets are going to be the actual solution that actually happens. Like you can fantasize about the government messing around with Section Two Thirty or enforcing antitrust laws or breaking up Google, but they're not going to. What The only thing that would actually happen in real life is free markets, where they create an odyssey, a rumble, a substack, maybe some billionaire buys Twitter, whatever, like Ralph Nader said, only the billionaires can save us, a change of leadership at one of these companies. That's the only thing that was ever going to happen, free market solutions. But the problem with 4chan, 8chan, stuff like that is... <laughs> You know, all the the actual filth, the bigots, the racists, the stuff like just they all gravitate to one spot because they're not allowed anywhere else. And this is why we need sewage like gab is necessary to put all of them somewhere. Right, right, right. And right. then Substack is the house, right, where people like you and I can talk. But you got to have some substrate below for people to work out bad ideas. I have no problem with people discussing uh, racism, religious bigotry, all, all that crap, right? I'm like, yeah, free speech. But 
segregate it because it takes them time. But if you don't have a place for them to discuss it, that that it just becomes an echo chamber. Like they need to hear better ideas and they're not coming across it. But if you just if you allow a free for all, they'll just take over all the other spaces. And so, you know, like Telegram, for example, it took a long time for my Telegram channel to get the way it is because it starts with myself and all the rejects. The majority <laughs> of rejects are not rejects because they uncovered September 11th or they figured out Epstein's spiring. Most of the rejects are there because they just can't help saying the N-word and stuff like that, right? <laughs> so, like, it's like me and all these undesirables or whatever. So I have to painstakingly educate them to get them off of those bad ideas and then gather other people. What happened, what got us, uh, normal, I want to say, like normal people banned was COVID, right? That and like all kinds of people got banned from YouTube or wherever, Meta, because they disagreed with the mandates or they disagreed with the efficacy of vaccines. And by the way, they're all proven right later, right? I know, I know. Um, or election fraud was another one because they stole 2020. And so they go, now it's it's not just the super marginalized like racist and stuff. It's people who didn't want to take a vaccine. It's people who are like, why do you, don't you have voter ID in every state? That seems simple enough, right? And so they just started banning too, too many people. And when they banned all of those people and, and you know, there's a list of subjects you can't say, did you criticize Ukraine? You're gone, right? Like the war in Ukraine, you criticize Russia. So now they've just created a viable market for alternatives because it's not just the super nuts anymore. It's all walks of life. Oh, I said this, like when Joe Rogan, they put him on CNN and put a filter on his face to make him look all fucked up and started telling the world he took horse dewormer. Oh, yeah. And when that didn't work, they dug through like every podcast he's ever done to find an incident where he said the word nigger. And he was only saying it not at someone or anything. He was like quoting Richard Pryor or a song or something. I'm like, that's desperate, man. Joe Rogan's not a racist, but like, this is what they do. If they can't debunk your argument and they can't defame you, like by misrepresenting what you say or did, say he took horse to Wormer because he had ivermectin, right? That's for humans, by the way. Then they just go after your character and be like, he's racist or some other, you know, untouchable taboo. You know, you're a Holocaust denier. You, you you pissed on Jesus. Actually, that that wouldn't even bother people anymore. Pissed I on know. Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know. But like they'll call you saying the N word though is worse than rape. Like being a racist is more unforgivable than being a rapist, which right. is it's, nuts it's, to me. It's blasphemy. They consider it blasphemy. I'm like racism's just an idea. Like someone could be a racist, have a conversation, and then no longer be racist. But if you rape somebody, like that's right. a violent act that you right. can't undo. However, or or fucking a Chinese spy like Swalwell, that doesn't matter. Um, or murdering black and brown people like Obama did in Libya. He made slavery great again in Libya. You could buy a human being for $300. And he murdered all these black and brown people. But at least he didn't say the N-word. You know, if you said that word ever in your life, uh, uh, even as a joke or, or even if it was sincere and then you change your mind, doesn't matter. It's the unforgivable sin. You're just not a person anymore. That is better than sexual blackmail. Catching someone saying that word is more powerful than if they are fiddling with kids. Because you're fiddling with kids, you can still get a job in Hollywood or as a politician. 
Well, in fact, they promote encouraged. you. Yeah, it's encouraged. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they got. But if you say the N word, it's like, ooh, look, we have you on tape saying nibba. Well, that's <laughs> it. Unless you're black, like that's it. You're done. Um, this is amazing. Like, why are you so hypersensitive about that? Unless, like, you think it rings true in your mind. You think these people are inferior, and that's why you're so sensitive about it. It's like a lot of feminists feel the need to prove they're as good as men all the time, which just shows to me a nagging sense that they don't feel like they are as equal, that they feel inferior, and that's why it pushes them so hard to prove otherwise. It's like this guy behind me was saying. And the guy well, that's behind, a weird the guy behind him, that, this is audio only. He's standing. He's uh, oh, in yeah. front of a picture of Ted Kaczynski, the famous mugshot of the Unabomber, which shameless self, self-promotion uh I have an MK Ultra episode on my my pod, uh, the episode before this one. That's um, another real thing that gets it gets Alex Jonesified, right? They yeah, uh, I bre- dude, I break down the real thing. The real there's a book written about it that nobody's ever read called Harvard and the Making of the Unabomber or something like that, and he explains mm-hmm. the whole fucking thing. And if you know how MK Ultra worked, you can see it. I mean, I make the argument that like Ted Kaczynski's whole thing was like because he was MK Ultra, but. It's you know, he also had a good philosophy, like his well, the sending uh, bombs his, in the mail part. Was. No, his critique, his critique of technological society, and his critique of the left was on mm-hmm. point. Yeah, absolutely. And um, he look people with like an IQ of one hundred and sixty-eight. Let's not pretend we understand them. <laughs> I feel like he could see way down the tunnel. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to hijack this show and just talk about Ted, Ted for an hour, but I mean, I will if you want, but people don't understand his manifesto. They misrepresent it all the time. He's not being prescriptive. He's being descriptive. And he's not saying like all the things we could or ought to do with tech. He's saying what we actually are doing with tech and what we actually are doing is running off a cliff. There's so many scenarios because he gets into the psychology of the left and how technology has alienated man from the the environment we primarily evolved in physically and psychologically and is causing all these psychological ailments because um, people don't have a they don't have a chance to properly go through the power process and goal attainment and get a sense of fulfillment and it's, it makes these people with a raging inferiority complex, adopt all these leftists or what we might call woke ideas. And these people are going to destroy us. Like you and I aren't in charge. It's Joe Biden in charge. And it just takes one Victoria Newland, you know, one of these nuts to say, let's just use a tactical nuke. Right. And that's it. That's the end of humanity. It just takes one Dr. Fauci messing around with gain of function research in Wuhan or wherever else to, oops, we accidentally release a, Super virus, 10 times worse than last time. That's the end of humanity. So his threat about tech is that not that what we ought to do, like, yeah, tech makes your life easier, but it comes with a cost. And that cost is making a larger and larger group of damaged people. They're going to end up in charge, as they are, is clown world all over the Western society. And then they're going to destroy everything. And so he's like, it has to stop now. And he doesn't see a way out of it by like, well, let's just use the good tech or let's use it in the right way. He goes, no, you won't use it in the right way, right? Because you can use it the right way for however many generations. The moment you use it the wrong way, there's no undo. And we are 
I mean, we have enough trash in the ocean to create an island the size of Texas. We're we're destroying the environment. We're destroying ourselves psychologically. All these kids are on Ritalin and Adderall and Prozac and psychotropic drugs to change their mind because they cannot adapt to an environment that's completely artificial, right? Where they're forced to sit and learn technical subjects for seven hours a day behind a desk. Like that's unnatural and it makes people depressed. Duh. And he just sees his head that way. AI, there's so many ways that's going to destroy things. And so that's why he sent bombs in the mail is he's like, y'all aren't going to listen. You aren't going to do the right thing. And violence is the only way to, to grab you and shake you and say, look at what you're about to do in his mind. That's what he thought. And uh, I think <laughs> we're headed toward a technocratic dystopian nightmare, violent or not, because the inertia of the herd, the clowns. I mean, you look at the Biden administration. There's nobody intelligent. Nobody. No, it's... look at the press secretary. That's the dumbest I've ever seen. Well, the, and 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 it's just getting worse. Stupid or not, yeah, the press secretary, yeah. But stupid or not, they they're they don't have our best interests in mind. They don't have America's best interests in mind. They don't care if they impoverish this country and just flush it down the toilet. In fact, they'd be happy if we turned into Brazil or Haiti. It's worse Cause... than that. They they are divorced from objective reality. Yeah, that's why. Like men can become women and stuff in their mind if they wish it hard enough and stuff. Their inferiority complex is so deep at this. They need equity and, diver and diversity and all this to be true because it's psychologically gratifying. They're such they're losers. They need equality of outcome. The other they need to blame their personal failures and lack of accountability on others. On oh you oppress me and to blame the white man or what or capitalism or. America, whatever they they think is strong in their head, that's what they're going to blame, not their own bad decisions and da, da 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 da. And it's spiraling out. You're going to have more and more damaged, clownish people, which he thinks is caused by the alienation created by the technological society, and they will end up in all the positions of power, and they are going to walk us right off a cliff. Well, this is uh, you know, Ted Kaczynski is the first one to, that I know of to lay out. The true motivations of the left, which is basically their own self-aggrandizement and their own power. Yes. And the reason why right. the, the leaders pander to them, because the thing you have to keep in mind, while they're a lot of true believers, I mean, and this stuff is being driven by true believers, we have to we have to understand that people like Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden have been around a long time and they have not mm -hmm. been harping on these issues for their whole careers. They just took no. it up when it became the zeitgeist. Yeah. They so weaponized broken people. Exactly right. They're pandering. Yes, exactly. And Kaczynski even says like the problem with liberalism and it's like racial thing. He says something to the effect of like, yeah, I understand that like you see like the oppressed people or the downtrodden or the underdog. You know, and he talks about black people. He talks about liberals and the left's interest in black people. And he says like they think they want to help them. But really, all they're doing is like bringing more and more foot soldiers into the technological society to like do the work for it. And this is what uh, they, they don't want to help them. They want to right, clone no, they them into themselves. No, they think they want to help them. Exactly right. That's they don't exactly care about right. other cultures. If you really cared, I mean, OK, they, look at the technological world. Three billion people uh, don't have basic needs. How's that working out for if you just learn to look at not look at the living standards in the u.s but globally it has created a have have not slave master system for the majority of people 
live in total squalor. So what do you think? All right, no let way me, out. Let me ask you this. You brought up um, Libya. You know what I mean? Because like, like, again, we're talking about what is, not what ought to be, right? Do we have the technological ability to yeah. just feed everyone? Yes. And But do we do it? No. If you look at the actual result, right, at the same time that we have food surplus, we have people starving to death. Yeah, well. Because it's not about the tech. It's not intrinsically evil like, oh, it's the combination of the tech with the damaged psychology. It's technological society. He's not well, talking about society. He's not talking about technology. He's talking about that combo. Uh, well, I love That's his his term, which I think he coined the over socialization. Over socialization yes. yeah, basically he... means he you're being convinced to accept something that's like pathological you're over socialized to the society which means if something is harmful to you and something is harmful to the environment something is harmful to everyone the body politic you're over socialized to accept this pathological thing that's bad for everyone even you in the immediate term and that's evidenced by the fact that you're on fucking antidepressants like or you put your kids on them yeah or you give them hormone blockers like why why change you, the external environment? You're going to change your internal environment to force you to tolerate stuff you otherwise couldn't tolerate. Do you think the slavery. trans thing? And this is this is why we're sticking a Substack. Do you think the trans thing is a weaponization? <laughs> uh, I mean, because <laughs> you said um, they're weaponizing like the, these people like Pelosi and Schumer and and Biden. They're weaponizing this like uh, political movement. Do you think that the trans thing is pushed as a weaponization to sort of, uh, well, people make many arguments. They say it's to distract from other things that are going on. Like while they're they're pushing the trans agenda over here, they're letting a flood of uh, immigrants come into the country or they're uh, trying to indoctrinate children in an irreversible way. So if 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 they push it on your kids and they accept it and they even maybe even become trans then they're like more likely to accept the state as the overlord because the state is who's facilitating all this stuff they're more likely to be the subject and not to question them because oh the state's good because if it wasn't for the state we wouldn't have no, no, no. you know it's, uh, it's a rebel without a cause it, like ted says they'd be forced to invent one have you read the system's neatest trick a little nine ever... page thingy Ted wrote this. Is that too. from you Ted? No, that. I don't know it. It's from Ted. It's called The Systems Need His Trick. He doesn't say it like this, but I, I'll just add on to it and say a lot of these woke leftist Karen types, they're always they're kicking a dead horse battling the, the evils of yesteryear, right? So you can see some woke asshole, because I, I do Civil War stuff all the time. They're just so proud of themselves, you know, pontificating about the evils of slavery and the 18th and 19th century or something but they're like oh racism so horrible are you going to criticize zionism and what they're doing to palestinians fuck no because there's there's consequence for doing that there's yeah, no but... con everybody agrees not to have black cattle slavery right that issue's already been resolved so they just sit there and just pound to death stuff that's already been finished right while the current evils don't matter as far as trans and all that, no, like this is part of their assault on objective reality. They, yeah, yeah. they're like, oh, they want to have their civil rights moment, but they don't want to have skin in the game, right? So there are plenty of real problems you could challenge, right? The ethnic cleansing of Palestinians is one of them, 
uh, starvation of, of the people in Yemen. The, there's so many things. No, no, no. Because <clears throat> there's consequence for that. There's no consequence in like condemning phobias and isms, right? Because those are already been done. And they want to act like trans stuff is just part of uh, fighting sexism or something or fighting homophobia. It's right. not. It's people playing pretend and trying to force everyone to go along with their role play. It's ridiculous. But <clears throat> it's supported by the system. And so you don't like promoting trans stuff. You're not going to get canceled. You, your banks will leave you alone. There are zero consequence for being on the side that Soros agrees with. Opposing yet, the trans agenda is actually rebellious. That's yet going they against still the see themselves and the people as the underdog. They still think they're like protecting oh, yes. the oppressed class. Right. All the stuff they do, you got to read the systems need a strict. They <laughs> adopt the system's own narrative, anti-racism, anti-sexism. That's all stuff the system agrees with. And they champion it out like they're. They're the small, small minority fighting against the oppression of government or something. Like, no, you are perfectly aligned with the government. You're perfectly aligned. Like, Antifa's not fighting fascism. They are fascist. Right. They're completely, right. You're, you are government foot soldiers. Yes, like, dude. Oh, my God, if yes. If the FBI had not created it, they would have. Like, you're doing, you are nothing but useful idiots at best. You're promoting all of their bullshit. Well, the like, other You're thing... not fighting the system to go and get your six booster shot and stuff. You are the system. But in their mind, they think, oh, like I'm such a hero because I have black friends or something. <laughs> it's like, no, that's just normal, right? <laughs> it's not, there's nothing heroic. In your mind, you're they're out there like fighting the Nazis in the Klan. What fucking Nazis? We won that war. They're dead. You know, what clan? What are you talking about? Right. But they like they like to stand on a on the the hill of victory that's already been established by other people and be like, I did this. You know? <laughs> and it's just like, please pat me on the head. Please validate me. Please, like they attach themselves to opinions that 99.99% of people already agree to. And, and then champion that around, like they accomplished something. Well, the thing they uh, don't talk about with slavery is, the financiers of the slave ships and where where the money was coming from. Uh, I don't know if you've oh, ever well, slavery heard... was a global phenomenon. It wasn't racial. I mean, like who sold the slaves? Africans. I know, I mean, right? The, the it, Arabs right. trade the the Muslim slave trade had a far greater impact on Africa than the transatlantic slave trade. And who ended slavery? Western society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who I, had I, universal I, suffrage first? Western society. Right? I was talking about uh, the Rothschilds, though, and the... Oh, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> there, are a lot of, there are a lot of Jews involved in um, in merchant marine everything. Yeah, yeah. Not just slaves. Yeah. Well, have you have you ever heard about the city of London? It's uh, capital C, city of capital L, London. It's a one-mile autonomous zone in the center of the city where a lot of the Jewish financiers, you know, have their HSBC, for example, operates out of there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, it's kind of like the way it was presented in this article that I read is that it's sort of like the they call the, it the, the London money changers. Yeah. Well, that's how they got their start. Right. And and that's where a lot of these. um these slush fund countries that like the CIA sets up like Panama in the 80s where you can get uh, 
where you have uh, financial institutions that set up, you know, these front companies. You have like uh, law firms that Three set of up which used by the Bronfman family to prop up Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get into that. Let's get into that. But the reason I bring up the city of London, though, um, Panama, Ukraine does this. I mean, I saw I've seen Ukraine referred to as an ATM machine country uh, where, uh, you know, the Bidens and them. Are it was the center of human trafficking. Yes. They had a pipeline directly from Kiev to Tel Aviv. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, I've heard you, you can't talk, about, talk about the white slave trade, though, which happens today. Right. This isn't ancient history or anything. So because that's not fashionable, then you're going against people who are still in charge. And so there's risk. They don't care about these Ukrainian women that got trafficked down to Tel Aviv and put in forced brothels and all that. They don't care about Jean-Luc Brunel's ring out of MC2 and Karen models giving not only little kids to Epstein and Peter Nygaard and Scully and all the other. It wasn't just that, Tel Aviv, though. I'm sure, you know, it was all over the UK, Germany. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's everywhere. But Tel Aviv um, is the leadership in this ring because they're unassailable. Because well, anything Israel does yeah, cannot right. be criticized. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah, Semitic, yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. So, like, if you're a criminal organization doing whatever, gun running, human trafficking, just involve the Israelis, and then the Americans will leave you alone. And then you'll get away with it. Well, okay. So yeah. I want to I want to ask you something, dude. This is this is something that I I flip around in my there's head. A, there's a lot of that shit in China and Thailand too. Like Thailand or uh, China gets a lot of North Korean refugees. And Dude. any within a certain range of age that are female, you know what happens to them. One thing that I try to talk about, but like there, there's so much stuff I have to just give up talking about because the right often like they if it's not about like Jews or Mexicans, like Mexican immigrants, they don't mm. want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. So I just give up on some shit. But one of the things that I try to say is like, dude, if you really fucking want to talk about illegal immigration and human trafficking, look at the fucking Chinese. They do it yep. on orders of magnitude way more than anyone. I mean, the the number one human trafficking hub in the world was in, in 19 in the 1980s was in Panama. It was the Chinese bringing uh, illegal immigrants in through Panama and then trafficking them up through Mexico into America. And then it got beat out. By the the num the new number one uh, global uh, human trafficker. Yeah, who bought the Panama Canal? By the way, did China buy it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it turns out that while they were human trafficking people through Panama up into America, they were also bringing illegal Chinese knockoff AK forty sevens, which is what America and Israel used to fucking uh, arm not the Sandinistas but the uh, the Contras in Nicaragua. The money they used for for making in the Iran-Contra affair, the money they used off of the sale of cocaine, they used to buy Chinese AK-47 knockoffs to arm the Contras. So China well, it was, is it was narcotics and human trafficking and illegal gun running that financed that whole operation, right. as well as contra contraband. Well, and, this, to Iran, and the sale right? of right weapons to Iran, which Lex Wesner was involved in, which. Well, we'll get to this. I don't the Wexner wanna... Foundation was deeply involved in that. And look, they were supporting the Somoza dynasty because that those two, you know, him and then his son had been a third party conduit to get around import uh, control, export controls act and the war assets administration that limited, you know, what all guns, the, all those surplus weapons that were going everywhere. Was after this, World was War this II, Iran Contra? What do you what, no, what prior to Iran, you... like? Before Iran Contra, the Somoza dynasty ran Nicaragua 
and they were oh, gunning Nicaragua. into Israel okay. as a third party because, like, well, you can't yeah. sell guns to Israel; they're going to kill Palestinians. But like, oh well, it'll go to Latin America, and then it goes from Latin America to Palestine, Israel. Okay, right? And the Somoza families have been the Zionists cut deals with them, right? Sell us the guns, and we'll get you these contracts and gold and this and that with the United States. And Sunborn Institute was all involved with that because that's the precursor to the to Lexner's uh, Les Wexner's uh, mega group, right? The mega donors was. They're the second generation. Wexner's one of these people that was kind of there the whole time because he's like 80. <laughs> but the Bronfmans and the Wexners I was going to say the Bronfmans were connected to the Megacorp. Well, yeah, but Samuel Bronfman before Edgar Bronfman and Charles Bronfman was part of Sunborn. Right. And I don't Rudolph Sunborn. Well, you need, my, you need to watch my movie right. about right. nuclear weapons theft and New Mac. Right. You'll, you'll blow your mind. Anyway. I know mega, um, a Megacorp, so, though. Yeah, it's the mega donors. Anyway, um, go on. Sorry, I, I'm the one that uncovered that. Like, <clears throat> but that was the second generation outgrowth from Sonborn. And my favorite plagiarist has grabbed that and put it in her book. Yeah, I'm bitch. not. I and, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I am sorry. Doesn't source it. anything. It's like sources. Uh, but look, man, it came back around the page. It doesn't reference that at all. Whatever I said on Sean Atwood, she would go run to Twitter that's, and write it. That's all about how it. I know who you are, dude. Because yeah. People came to me and were like, no, dude, Ryan Dawson. It's Ryan Dawson. You got to look him up. Uh, I've, been, Cooper. I've been saying this stuff forever. Yeah, no, um, right. People came to me and were like, you you got the wrong person. <laughs> you got to look up Ryan Dawson. Same thing with 9-11. She grabbed all that stuff and was like, I did this. I, don't is, wanna, I was you know, banned. I was banned on right, all the platforms. Right, right, and so right, I right. can't defend myself or say, hey, that's mine or whatever. I could it's very easy for someone to find my stuff. And act like there's some super genius researcher because like you couldn't find me, right? I but couldn't find someone you. else could just reiterate everything I say and never give credit. And everyone's like, "Wow, how'd you learn that?" And they they're not going to say where they got it. Right, right, right. A lot of people did that. Well, I'm but glad people who did know glad. me were like, "That's Ryan Dawson. That's his yeah. video. That's this. That's that's more about deception. That's Empire and Mass. That's a, you know." And there are certain well, look, people man, you're, that you're, just made you're careers the one... for themselves by pilfering <laughs> my work and acting like they thought of it all on their own. You're the one I'm having on my show, though, so it's it comes back around, man. And people out there know who you are. I mean, Daryl Cooper of Martyr Made Podcast, he's been on my show. He, uh, Yeah, I'm starting he's... to get back because I got a Twitter back. Like, all you need is one on-ramp. I was on Fresh and Fit. We did September 11th show, like, yeah, nine I watched hours it. worth of I watched stuff. it. I watched <laughs> three hours of it. I mean, <laughs> which part did you watch? Part one, two, the or three? Part one, part one. Part one. Yeah, you should see the final one. It's hilarious. Because I got into how they had access to the towers. The people got arrested and everything, and no yeah. one well, seems to know this. It's amazing. Which part? People who had illegal passes that did illegal work on the fire suppression systems in World Trade Center 1 did go to jail. And we have their names, and we have their Are employer. Are they Saudis? And... No, it's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hold on. Let's get back on track here. Uh, so, fuck. You were talking know. about Chinese human trafficking. Oh, thing. yeah. Well, I just was going to say the biggest human trafficking operation in the world, it was in Panama, China going through Panama. And then it, the next one, it got beat out by a Chinese human trafficking operation in New York City. Uh, they were coming through fucking Chinese restaurants. That doesn't really have it. That the the Chinese restaurant one doesn't really have anything to do with what we're talking about. But so, oh right, and no, I was talking about the city of London and the financers. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, the slave ships. My point about bringing that up is that all this money 
like the front groups and stuff. I'd like to call it this global superstructure of money laundering. I mean, they say the dark money in the world is equal to like one to two billion dollars. And if we stopped all this corruption, all this corrupt dark money flowing, it would like collapse the world economy. But if you oh, think it's more of it, like 60 billion. Oh, well, maybe I got the number wrong. But if you think about it as like a flow, I think the heroin trade alone is probably two billion. Yeah, we got to talk about drugs, though, because I wanted to ask you, you know, what? Let, let's just skip right to drugs, because I want to ask you about the cartel. We're talking about slave ships. It's the same people, though. It's all the same people, right? The people who finance the slave ships are the same people who are helping the Sinaloa cartel launder their money. And my whole point is that they launder their money through Cayman Island and other other tax havens. And it all mm -hmm. goes back to uh, the city of London, which is not beholden to the normal laws of the United Kingdom. And they're also well, this, the slave ships. Shit. It's like there has to be people selling and buying slaves too. You can't just blame the the ones transporting them. Like that, there was a whole culture. Slavery just wasn't considered. Yeah, no, but I, I'm only mentioning thing, right? that part though. Yeah. The reason I'm mentioning that part, you're right, is because those are the same people who are also financing the fucking uh, opium wars in China, uh, flowing opium into China. The same people who are like helping the cartels launder their drug money. I mean, you're talking about. I'll give you a great analogy. Two or a billion dollars in drug money. I mean, where do these people fit in? Where do where does the CIA and Mossad and the and the the British? It's it, it's yeah. I mean, you're you're very close. All right, um, let's hear the a analogy. lot of a lot of people want to blame governments, which definitely have. Huge I'm not talking about the UK government, man. I'm talking about. No, I know, I know. Okay, okay all, right, so, all right, all right, all right. I'm saying what other people say. I got you. I got you. Um, and I said this with Atwood and Dyer, uh, Jay. If when you look back at it, like, well, who's doing this? Who's doing that? The 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 corporate conglomerates of the past, like the East India Tea Company, right, which had more money than the Crown at one point. That's exactly Dutch, who the fuck I'm talking right? about for the record. Yeah, well, that's exactly you know, who I'm talking about. You know who they are now? Do you know who the modern East India Tea Company uh, is? I, I, I think it's who? black. It's BlackRock and Vanguard. Oh, okay, okay. I was going to say right, so BlackRock and okay. Vanguard. Okay, have it's different because we have public traded stocks and da 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 da. But they get you know three or four percent of everybody's anything. They got a finger in every pie, right? And so you can look at it as. BlackRock Vanguard are the new East India Tea Companies, which wasn't just about tea, obviously. Um, and they have reached a point where they have so much sway over other corporations through their ESGs and whatnot that they become this sort of – it takes on a life of its own. It's this megalith, um, not a corporation in the sense of like, oh, this like Google or something that just has so much money it, it uh, out – it, it, you know, it has more power than everyone else. It's like, no, they they have enough controlling shares of enough things and cross investments that they can push anybody in the social and political directions that they want. And these are the new money powers. And people are like, well, the Rothschilds or the Rockefellers, blah, 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 blah. like, yeah, but look, I, I understand when people first learn about fractional reserve banking and how money supply gets expanded based on nothing. They get all excited and everything. They're like, okay, but what did they set up? Like, what was their flagship, some corporation or something that they used to start buying everything out, right? Because money 
only has power because it can purchase things that have intrinsic power, properties and things that have a value because they have a value, right? Because they can you can do things with them. Uh, money is just, it's liquid. It's just the medium that you use, you know, and it can be printed, uh, it can be created easily. Whoever gets their hands on it first has far more purchasing power than after they cause inflation by releasing it in the money supply. And yeah, Blackwater and Vanguard are the new East India Tea Company. Now these these giant um, uh, BlackRock mer merchant marine companies that came out, it was sort of the birth of being the 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 transport the physical means of transporting goods. Or you could go all the way back to the Phoenicians, right? Like sea trade was king. Sea trade is what gave rise to all these empires around the Mediterranean. It's such an advantage, not only in physical material, but also the exchange of ideas, because you're able to go A to B back and forth more times faster than anyone else. The other people are using horses or whatever. You're able to go, the Phoenicians could go, get iron from Greece, get wine uh, in another area, get wheat from another area, you know, touch on, hit Carthage, hit all these places and get whatever they specialized in and have it all and bring back all those material goods back. Uh, but you're also getting the exchange of ideas. You know, the Greeks have this philosophy. that It's the the flow of information, the flow of material relied on the ship. The faster you can get diverse communities to engage with each other, which is by the sea, uh, the quicker their civilization ascends. And so all these Mediterranean civilizations had a huge advantage because they have the Mediterranean, right? So you get the Greeks, the Romans, Carthage, the Egyptians, you know, everybody's hugging the Mediterranean. They're exchanging all these ideas and stuff. Now, when the technology evolves to the point where we have ocean-faring uh, vessels, Western Europe takes the torch. It becomes the Portuguese, the Spanish, the French, the English. Why? Because they're physically next to the ocean, right? It, it, people ascribe this to race and all this nonsense. Like Eastern Europe's just as white as Western Europe. It doesn't matter. They're not on the ocean. The other one is. The, the sea becomes control. Now, the families involved in the shipbuilding and the sea trade just have such a huge advantage over any other product you could possibly make because they're in charge of transporting all the products. I'm right? hoping they this get, is where you're going with this. This is where I'm going with this. This yeah. is why these uh, these sea companies overtake, you know, like everything. And so, of course, this is why, like, well, who cares about the ones? I was setting up something earlier to debunk the ones that are transporting the slaves. So what? They just gave them a ride, right? Like, well, the African <laughs> kings grabbed them and enslaved each other and sold them as products, and then. They give them a ride and somebody buys them on the other side to, I don't know, pick cotton or sugar cane or whatever. But you got to understand, no, no. The ones that are uh, the seafaring corporate megalith you know, conglomerates are the ones encouraging them into using these kind of products. Because they're saying exactly to these African right. kings, hey, uh, would you like these finished goods? This still goes on today because Africa's got a lot of raw resources, not a lot of manufacturing. So they, do you want these textiles from Europe? Because they had a triangle going. The 80% of all the cotton in the world came from the southern half of the United States. Um, because 
Europe was already industrialized and the northern Yankees in the United States really were just infants in that. A lot of it, the raw cotton would be sent to, let's say, England or Wales. Then it would get processed into textiles and they would sell those to the Africans who would pay for them by selling slaves to everyone else, to American and whatever. And so it decimates Africa because they don't have the revenue to buy the finished goods and they don't have the infrastructure to produce them themselves because they keep getting rid of their own labor force. Right? It was just easier to sell people short term. Thomas Jefferson snips that, says no more transatlantic slave trade. Well, boy, he pissed off them boys because now that hurts Europe because they can't sell their goods to Africa because Africa can't sell their slaves, so they can't pay for the goods. Yet Europe's still going to buy the textiles from the South, at least produce and consume them themselves or find other buyers. But it isolated the North. The North was like, oh, we're out of the loop completely. So they physically attack the South <clears throat> and steal everything. But anyway... um. These shipping companies are, if you're a banker, if you're a Rothschild or whatever, like what industry do you want to control? You want to control the sea lanes, right? At that time, that was that's like owning the media too. Because the information, even if someone's bringing a courier, they're bringing a letter, they're bringing a whatever, it's got to come by the sea. Right? There are no airplanes. They don't have railroads everywhere yet. And that's just how it goes. Dominating the sea is how you become king. And it's still important. The Maritime Silk Road is something that modern nations still fight over. I mean, just being able to get to travel a little bit faster, like by cutting through the Suez or cutting through Panama Canal, right, gives you such an advantage of how fast your things are going to arrive or not, how many turnovers you have per year, how much profit you're going to make. It all depends on the sea lanes. Taiwan is very important in this. It's all about the sea lanes. They don't care what they're doing in Taiwan. They, they care about that access, right? That's why from Okinawa to Taiwan to the Philippines is a little shield around China controlling the sea lanes. It's vital. It's like how you're, you're in charge of the arteries inside of a body. And anyway, these families end up accumulating ungodly amounts of power. And it starts getting to their heads. And, you know, the ones that are able the most easily buy shipping companies and stuff are probably the same ones that are charging interest on loans and usury and all those tricks, right? Like, but that's the first thing they get. The second thing they get, um, and this doesn't come out until way later once these things are invented, would be uh, newspapers, magazines, TV, radio, modern communication. Because modern communication before that was send it on a ship or send a raven. You know, there was no other way. So, yeah. They get the telegraphs, they get the, um, make sure you control communication. That's tantamount to controlling what people think. Because you get to say what they get to hear, what they get to say. All you got to do is position yourself in the middleman of the flow of information. Yeah, this is good. This is good. This is one of the things you do that I think is very important that no one else does, is you set up the precedents. Like, these avenues and these nodes were already in place. They've been set up centuries ago and they've right. been used forever and the same the, people this have... modus operandi just grew out of pre-existing networks right including and, epstein like the well, school that's team, what i was New York bring up. Schools and stuff. yes yeah they yes had, they were doing that to kids before he came on the scene he was just professional at it 
Right. Right. So and they realize they're like, look, once you have like, okay, I'm sure you're familiar with Bobby Baker, um, blackmailing congressman in the JFK era, right? That all went away when LBJ became president. The the whole scandal, Bobby Baker had dirt on everybody. He was the Epstein before Epstein. That all disappears. But back then it was like, oh, you had an extramarital affair or you had dinner with so-and-so and that was enough. Or you're gay. Not like Hoover. Yeah, right? I, know, I know. That's enough. Nowadays it's like, ah, so-and-so was banging his 18-year-old OnlyFans girl or Instagram hoe. No one really cares. Um, today, the more taboo things is, oh, he said the N-word back in 1981. Jack canceled <laughs> his life. Or we got him on tape fucking a 12-year-old. Like, at least at least that's still taboo. It's getting hard for the blackmailers because the society is becoming so degenerate that things that you used to be able to hold someone over their head like wouldn't matter anymore. I know. And that's why I swear they're trying to normalize pedophilia because that would free them all. <laughs> Yeah, but then they, they won't have blackmail. Direction. But here, here's a question I want to ask you just to change gears kind of abruptly. So we have the nodes. They still have blackmail. Their blackmail is, oh, we'll say you're racist. Yeah, well, it's probably, uh, dude, I I guarantee you it's easier to get a politician to fuck a 12-year-old than it is to get him to say the N-word. <laughs> I guarantee dude, you. This, this friend of mine, Sneeko, I don't know if you know him. Yeah, I've, I've heard you on his pod. Or okay, maybe, so he, maybe he, he was on yours. Um, I've been on his. He, um... Does these inquisitive, inquisitive little things? It's very clever because it only takes like you just think of the right question, it's gold. Well, one of them was like he asked people to name three countries, and all these hoes couldn't do it. You know, they're like, oh, oh Paris, yeah, Dubai. Yes, I've seen this. So sad. But one of the things he did is he went to people and he said, "Would you say, would you say the N word if it would resolve world hunger?" And they say no. Of course, I'd be like nigger, 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 nigger. Like if that, if that <laughs> actually. Because who cares? Like you just got rid of world hunger, right? I'll say anything. Um, because why did you say that to end world hunger? You know, um, they're like, no, no, I wouldn't. Like you wouldn't say that word yeah. even if it wiped out world hunger. No, and like that's over socialization, right there. Yeah, man. I mean, yes. you could, you can find a hundred thousand black people standing behind you and be like, say it. It gets rid of world hunger. <laughs> like nobody cares. Like they won't do it. No, I know, I know. Well, yeah, I guarantee you That's that fuck, I guarantee yeah, you that Prince Andrew, that is, Prince Andrew, more Bill Clinton, of someone thinking they're racist, Woody than Allen, if none of them would have said if, the N word. Oh no, not well. Woody Allen might have, but like that guy has no shame. But yeah, that is a weird thing. I'm like, yeah, I'm not a fan of that word either. It's, it's mean, you know, but it's just not that big a deal. Like <laughs> it's, it's not as big a deal as starving children, you know. Well, you're making me want to sh show my pod to any new listeners that are coming for you because I wrote a short story on my blog about a, a FBI agent who gets the uh, the job of a lifetime, but he has to say the N-word to get this uh, undercover gig, and he won't say the N-word. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, so he... once you've said it. Well, now that might not matter because AI can fake you saying anything anyway. I know, I know. And you know what? I'm going to use that as plausible deniability. Anytime anybody tries to cancel me, I'm going to be like, dude, it's AI. I, I never said that. <laughs> I, I, that shit scares me too, because like everything's gonna be fake and gay. Everything already is. You, everything already is. It's gonna get so much worse than either of us can imagine. Right, probably. They can fake voices. They can fake videos. No one will be able to tell what's real and not real. Like this is what Ted was saying. This is another thing. Like 
it's hard to see the future, like what, which one's going to do it. Will it be the nuclear bomb? Will it be a super virus? Will it be AI or something else that we don't even know yet? But so we're going to, we are on a path of self-destruction. This might be the answer to the Fairman paradox. Why we don't see aliens. They reach oh, a technological yeah. point and blow themselves up or whatever yeah. that happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or they go inward. They just figure out Wait, hold like on. ready player right. one. You know, let's just have build a giant virtual world and live like that in our own uh, programmed heaven and never explore outside because everything's too far away. All right. Listen, let me I gotta ask you a question. Let's get back on track. <laughs> <laughs> the CIA and Mossad, okay? Are they working in tandem all the time or is Mossad undercutting the CIA? Is the CIA aware and allowing Mossad to do the things they do like like Epstein or is Mossad uh, running scams and trying to uh, run circles around them and trying to sort of uh, obfuscate some of what they're doing to keep it away from the CIA? Or are they just doing everything well, in conjunction the, the Mossad and the CIA are different entities, but Mossad has so much power over the CIA. James yeah, okay. Woolsey was the right. director of the CIA, and he's an Epstein guy. It right? seems like Mossad has power over them, but how? Just through blackmail? Because they infiltrated through... the CIA. James Jesus Angleton, the counterintelligence czar of the CIA during the Kennedy era, was a hardline Zionist. As okay. were the Dulles brothers, yeah, and they they were there. A lot of these um, Jewish fanatics that had joined the OSS because what the CIA comes from the OSS, right? The OSS is the intelligence gathering service, sort of built on the fly during World War II, and the you know the main motive was fighting the Nazis. So a lot of Zionists gravitated to the OSS because, like, why wouldn't you? The Nazis are killing Jews. I mean, so but. After the war is over, what are you left with? A giant Zionist faction, right? And right. they help. I mean, it's all, yeah, it's all pro-Zionist, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, the, you don't have to be Jewish to be Zionist, but a lot, a lot of them are both. Well, and, that's what I mean. That's why I said pro-Zionist. Like the Anglo, the Anglo's who ran the Anglo World Order were very pro-Zionist. Well, they but, saw it too. Is like it has overlapping interests. The British, right? Um, they lost a lot of colonies. The British dude, Empire, I mean, listen, Empire were both destroyed after L World War. II. That's what I was gonna say. If I can jump in real quick, dude, the fucking British Empire went bankrupt like twice during World War One. They went completely bankrupt in 1917, and they got it, it bailed was worth out it to destroy the Ottoman Empire. But they got bailed them. out by the Rothschilds. <laughs> like well, that's well, that's got, why they, they survived. Got subverted by the Rothschilds. But they, I'm um, saying that's why they survived. <laughs> they the got war bought out. You mean bought yeah. out instead of bailed out? But yeah, they they just saw like yeah, let's why not um, partition uh, East and like like okay, so they had East and West Pakistan, which is now Pakistan and Bangladesh. Yep, yep. yep. Why not partition that with from India and get them all fighting each other? Why not get Arabs and Jews fighting each other in Palestine? That puts them on a on a uh, a stale a stalemate right they can't grow they're stagnant because they're constantly fighting each other uh if you can't control it break it right that's their idea um yeah, and the Zionists didn't care they just wanted palestine right so they're like yeah and they got it they got most of it um that's well, now israel they're probably going to end up with all of it though <laughs> 
I think no, because I'm sur- I'm they surprised, like I'm surprised the uh, they near slave yeah. labor conditions they get from workers from Gaza. They'll keep uh, that for the cheap labor. Otherwise, they would have wiped it out a long time ago. But yeah, it's sad and fucked up. But anyway, the the growth of the CIA comes out of Zionist factions from its inception, and they hire each other. And the Mossad uh, de- with huge interest in infiltrating the United States in its infancy stages because parasites always flock to the most powerful host. And the most powerful host after World War II was definitely the United States and the Soviet Union. Yeah. And where do all these Zionist moles end up? In those two countries. And yeah, that's a long, think... complex history I can't summarize for you, but I'm just putting it putting that out there for people to do their homework. Well, I, I talk about this in my uh, Ted Kaczynski MKUltra episode, but I really, I mainly just speculate on it. But do you think there was communication between Soviet Russia and the CIA and America? Do you think there was collusion? Because, you know, the mind control experiments in MKUltra, which everybody, the only thing people know about MKUltra is like LSD and like trying to right. create super soldiers and, and violence. There's like way more to it than it's that. It's just that the Federal Bureau of Narcotics giving celebrities LSD and spying on them having sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. George but, White. Um, <laughs> their, their underlying philosophy, though, and, and you know, MK Ultra was run by Jews. And it's just true. It's not anti-Semitic to say that because it's just true. But uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um. The underlying philosophy of MKUltra was 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 to sort of uh, obliterate the ego and like break it down to its constituent parts, which is basically like the blank slate and then rebuild it up to be indoctrinated into like what Ted Kaczynski. Was that, that was Sydney's idea. But yeah, exactly. But the, but that's the ones also... that made the, the most advancement as far as like getting it to actually work. For a Manchurian candidate? Yes, exactly. Or the ones that were doing it in Manchuria. Do you know whose notes they stood on and borrowed from? No. The Japanese. Do you know yeah, about oh. Unit 100? Mm, I know about the Nazis using mescaline on their prisoners of war. Well, but... yeah, Japan invented steroids too, but Japan... Okay, so no, um, tell me about the Japanese. And, Japan and did human testing on Chinese. And look, I love Japan, lived there 16 years, but this is just true. They had Chinese prisoners and did their own MK mind control experiments on them, sleep so deprivation, saying, all these things. You're and saying, check you're this saying out. It. Check this out. Okay. All right, all right. All right. When the people involved in Unit 100, I think it was 172 is another one, that did, they did a lot of it, human testing on like how frostbite and how you could stand the elements and all. But there was a section on the mind, on psychology, that the Manchurian candidate where they get these prisoners from Manchuria, which Japan had annexed, you know, for the whole war almost. And the United States, because at the behest of the newly formed CIA, would not prosecute these Japanese scientists and things as war criminals if they would share their data with the United States. And it is from that program that they continue that in MK. Sydney then boys come in and fuck it all up with their sigmund freud like fantasies and stuff but as far as like really being able to to get someone to be a complete puppet japan had figured it out okay this is good this is good stuff this is good stuff it's yeah so well the nazis were using mescaline on their prisoners and i think 
they were trying to use LSD for the same effect, like as a tr as a truth serum. And then you're talking about the Japanese, but the Russians in their camps, in their post-World War II camps, were using the same mind control experiments but with the same foundation. Although you're right, it is Freudian, like Sidney Gottlieb brought the, the, the Freudian element in. So I always wondered, did the, did the Russian mind control experiments, the communist mind control experiments look the same as like the MKUltra ones because they were based on Freudian psychoanalysis? Or were they collaborating with each other? And we know that several MK Ultra psychologists went to USSR at least twice mm -hmm. uh, in the late 40s and early 50s. So do you think there was any collaboration or do you think it's just more? Well, you know, like uh, they they were both fearful that the other one was on the verge of getting it. Right. Yeah, and I know there thought, was a lot of competition. Oh, yeah. when they saw someone just flip and become a communist, they just thought. It had to be. They they figured it out. They figured out how to control the brain or whatever, and it it wasn't. I mean, they just sometimes like I could make someone communist in an hour by just feeding them bullshit propaganda for well, long it's enough. A, it's you know? a lot of lies. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't do it because I don't believe in it. But I mean, I I could get someone to follow any religion, any anything, you know, uh, just by talking to them. But what they ultimately they they never really got anywhere with it the soviets didn't get anywhere the, the us never really got it to work because they realized like yes you can brainwash someone through sleep deprivation and drugs and all this stuff and hypnotism and da 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 but it is far more reliable and easy to just bribe them with a hundred thousand dollars or whatever <laughs> like I'll, it's like why yeah. do you need to like find a puppet that you can get to go assassinate somebody when there are so many people who are like how much and that's it and it's like so the, a lot of those programs kind of get scrapped and there's mk naomi where they tried mk ultra on children and some all this fucked up stuff and i swear to god they just enjoyed it but like this isn't necessary you can get someone to do whatever you, you want to know what man? by waving money in front of their face you know? like, i'm really glad you're saying this because you know what i've been thinking i've been thinking to myself like Okay, the CIA put all this time and all this money and they fucked up all these people's lives doing this mind control shit. And none of it's necessary. Because when COVID came around, half the fucking population just went along with it immediately. Like, like upon the point of impact, instantly, boom. They, like, hook, line, and sinker. The, the vaccine, the masks, everything. They went along with everything, like... Well, that's the other thing. The real So, I'm like, why even bother, like, why even bother... The yeah. Exactly. It's a mind control like, device. Th this whole clockwork orange scenario, which is what they want you to think mind control is. That's I mean, that's, what the, that's what the book is about. That's what clockwork yeah, yeah. orange is about. It, no, mind control is far more subtle. It's message force multipliers. You have it. You say something on the news. Then you have it repeated by the late night comedians and the sitcoms and the yes. movies. And they all say the same line. Whether it's that, oh, everyone knows this, huh? Right? You're in with my group. That's what the comedians do. Ha, ha, ha. And then you have the news say it in a serious way. Uh, but you have everyone start, they start selling, looking past the sale, right? It's that old technique from real estate. They come in looking at a house. They're like, so where are you going to put the couch? Where are you going to put the bed? Like, you're already going to buy it, right? So you're going to start thinking about where you put the furniture and stuff. They look past the sale. Like all these late night comedians, which are just state propaganda affirmation, they're not there to tell jokes. 
they just started saying, uh, yeah, you see what Trump did today? Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. And it's all, well, we all know this, and then we're adding on to it. But it's actually a presupposition, and it's on purpose. Right? You look at these Stephen Colbert and Trevor Noah and all these dorks, and like, they're just reiterating state propaganda yeah. with a comedic theme. So that's how you know he was on the grassy knoll. <laughs> you miss all that. Let's finish on Balenciaga and Kanye because I actually fucking recorded Yay. an episode on Kanye for like three hours and I lost it. I I I think it's on my computer, but I can't find it. So I would love. Man, you sure that wasn't NSA? <laughs> I know, man. I I know. I think they might have hacked my computer. But um, I'd love to talk to you about it because before we started recording, I was telling you I have a Balenciaga episode, and I mentioned earlier that that's that's really when people started telling me I need to look into you, and you know I I drew connections between everything I was talking about before Panama and uh, the city of London, offshore Did they have banking. CIA in their name, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but then you what you said to me was, did you notice that that all came out? during the Kanye thing and, yeah, and his I, ex-wife is a model for it and spokesman for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's your take? I mean, I'll just let you have the floor here and you can explain it and people, people need to go. What about Kanye? It. I mean, you know what else he said, right? Well, I mean, why I get in trouble? <laughs> well, no, of course. No, 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 no. Of course. I, I, I took the implication of what you were saying about Balenciaga to be that, that came out as a way to distract from the fact that Kanye was like exposing everybody. And he was going. No, it, it, I think it did the opposite because okay. All right. Let me Kanye, Kanye would say, you know what he was saying. And, oh, we you know, know man. We, we all that's know. Kardashian's little like she's involved with them. He gets his uh, shoe contract canceled from Adidas or whatever. Yep, yep. And, and, you know, billionaire Kim's out there and it's like, oh, yeah. After around like December, how's Balenciaga doing? <laughs> People were protesting the store because they did a pedophile trial balloon. Right, those weird little kids with teddy bears and lingerie and stuff. Uh, nobody that that didn't work. Like they're not over socialized that much. Most people still reject pedophilia, and that's gonna be a hard one to ever normalize. Because every parent has a natural, instinctual, evolutionary uh, push to you know protect their children from predators. Right, dude. If you so if you if you, if really you fucking get... damaged to not want to do that, right? If you want to get MAGA moms to follow you on Twitter and fucking support you and retweet you, start talking about international sex trafficking. They fucking go crazy for that. Well, I've been key. I, I mean, I used to talk about all that all the time, but I 
Twitter is the only thing I have. And so I've been kind of self-censoring, you know, until I build it up, be like, should I say that? I can't risk losing Twitter for financial reasons. Like, yeah, don't, don't lose it, man. Don't I lose cannot, it. Like I'll do it on Telegram and I'll do it on Substack and all, but like on Twitter, I'm like, because uh, everyone's like, Ryan, please don't, please don't, please don't, don't lose your Twitter. You need that. I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah, I'll we need you there. Them. We need you there. I don't care about mega followers or whatever. Like, just go follow me on Telegram. Or no, I'm, just make, I'm just making a point though. Yeah. But yeah, that, you're right. Like, right, right, right. But if I start saying it, um, I'll get canceled because I have so many people watching me. And also, I think my depth is a little bit deeper than other people talking about it. I mean, yeah, it's the deepest of anybody. So what do you think? Uh, so Balenciaga was there. The Artemis group, caring group. Uh, they're all connected to everything we're talking about. They're they're all they're con the modeling industry is itself a sex trafficking. I mean, who's the uh, who's the French model agent who trafficked like a thousand girls to Epstein who killed himself, quote unquote, killed himself in the same way. I forget his name. Jean-Luc Bernal. Yes, that guy. Yeah, exactly. And do you know where his final modeling agency, One Plus Mother, was located? No, but I'm not going to be surprised when you say it, though. Kiev, Ukraine? Uh, of course it was. Of course it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Part I think they, in the they get those girls from desperate situations and then take their passports away. Like, everything they accuse Andrew Tate of doing, Jean-Luc Bernal's actually guilty of doing. Yeah, and he... And he no one knows his name, right? <laughs> His women were going directly into the Epstein, uh, the Epstein uh, women is being generous. But yeah. Girls, girls, right? Kids, yep. Yeah, you saw the he movie. Gave him, he gave Easter. him triplets for his birthday. Ah, oh, fucking a. Twelve year olds. Mm -hmm. You saw Eastern Promises, I'm sure. I mean, this this movie is basically about that, but they don't. You know, they no, don't make it. Oh, you never saw Eastern Promises. Mm -mm. Oh, you absolutely need to see it, man. Okay. This is what I was saying before about how you were saying, like, Kiev, there was a pipeline straight from Ukraine yep. to uh, Tel Aviv. And then how I said they ended up in Germany and and, and the UK. Uh, Germ uh, Russian prostitution was... Yeah, it started? Well, it was all... Yeah, go ahead. So with the collapse of the Soviet Union, you had all these satellite states that... Basically, the, the ruble, the currencies were useless. The old joke was, oh, should I buy toilet paper or just use the rubles? Because <laughs> it would cost more to buy the paper than just use the paper money because it would just became useless. Because of the uh, Russian oligarchs, dang, raped that country. And so what do women do when your whole life savings has been wiped out? No matter how many hours you work, it doesn't matter because everything you've collected can't buy you anything. What do a lot of women turn to to get out of poverty? Prostitution, stripping. Prostitution. What do the guys do? Mercenary work, sell drugs, sell the bodies, or they violent. They try to steal it violently, right? So a lot of women who had never thought about that, they might have kids, whatever, they turn to selling themselves. And well, it doesn't matter if you sell yourself to another person in Ukraine or whatever, because they don't have their money's useless too. They need foreign capital. So what happens? First, they try to take legitimate jobs. Oh, I'll be a nanny. I'll be a cook. I'll be a maid. I'll do anything. Um, and they get promised these jobs, mostly by the Israelis. Go, yeah, come down here and be and just and uh, be a babysitter or whatever. The moment they get there, they take their passport away. They lock them up in a brothel and they force them into prostitution. Others willingly did prostitution, begrudgingly, but were like, yeah, I'll, I'll sell myself, whatever. 
to, because if you get foreign capital, if you could get dollars or francs yeah, or Deutschmarks exactly. or whatever, then you can actually buy stuff with that and you can survive. And, and so your, your family almost back overnight, home. right? You bring it back home. You have this almost the whole population of women. They're like, "What? I gotta do that." I mean, it's kind of like if a no talent slut in America realizes. I don't need to stay in school and try to go to college or whatever. I'm stupid and I'm not ever going to have a nine to five job, but I can shake my titties online and make hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm going to go do that. You know, good deal for them. All right. So now, a lot of these whores did it, but you, you can't paint them all with one brush. A lot of people are just desperate because their savings have been wiped out and they have to have foreign capital. There's no other way out. And so, the predators took advantage of that. And well, and everybody knows Epstein down in Palm Beach, Florida was uh I always get Palm Scrip Springs and Palm Beach mixed up, but I think it was Palm Beach in Florida, right? Mm -hmm. He was going to like trailer park girls and he was like scouting women out uh at like m middle schools where lots of, you know, poor people went from from the trailer parks and shit. So he was like totally Yeah, the English speakers. He wanted English speaking uh victims. But the majority of Epstein's girls were from wherever and couldn't speak English and didn't have a passport. They were they were just fuckholes. Yeah, and he used uh he used them to recruit other girls their age and stuff like that. And some of them, you know, some of the girls didn't even sleep with anybody, but he was their patron. So so even though they weren't sleeping with anybody, he still used them to recruit other girls who did. And you know, a lot right. of the people, a lot of the people that the police and the FBI spoke to, a lot of the young girls. They wouldn't actually fucking rat on him. A lot of people wouldn't rat him out because he was their, you know, their pay pig. And they were scared to death. The guy's got pictures of presidents and prime ministers and stuff on his wall. They're like, I'm not turning on this guy. Yeah, what he do you think? What do you think about the fact that uh, him and Tony Podesta, who I'm sure you know all about, big, big, big part of the, the Balenciaga thing because Tony Podesta and, uh, well, Tony Podesta actually helped protect Christie's art house from from being probed by like uh, the IRS and stuff like that. But um what do you yeah, think the about state the state is so fucked up in New York like they, he had another property there too. Um yeah, a lot of these art schools and Yes, no, exactly. Well, exactly. I but I know what you're I know what you're going to say though. Yeah. About the art schools, but but say it. Yeah, they um those those were pre-existing networks that Epstein just joined. It's not like he invented them. They're already there. A lot of these Yankees would do, they use, you know, Hollywood has the casting couch. Well, a lot of these universities and stuff do the same thing. They're like, yeah, I'll pay your scholar. I'll give you a scholarship or I'll pay your way to, to learn this and that if. And you know what the if is. Right. And they compromise. And, and, and dude, Tony Podesta, John Podesta's brother, like, right? Look, they can make you a successful artist by buying one painting, right? But like, it doesn't matter what the quality is. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll buy that five grand. Here you go. Yeah. Right now you're an artist. It doesn't matter. They can make you date one. One guy could buy all your work and you could say you're an artist. But what he's really buying is not the artwork. Well, it's these the guys, other stuff you're doing. And these yeah. guys were paying them, paying their way through art school by pretty... the way, everybody, uh, you know who the best artists and the best dancers are? It's the Israelis. You should look up dancing Israelis and Israeli art students. Okay. 
So what do you have to say about, uh, I mean, you, you, I've listened to a lot of your content, a lot of your podcast episodes, but I've never heard yeah, you talk Balenciaga about Balenciaga and Gucci too. And a lot of these things, like think about this too. Like, all right. The whole concept of like a $7,000 handbag is pretty mind blowing. Whether it's Louis Vuitton or whatever the fuck it is. Right. Like it's status. And it's like, but you have to have these high end items for broken women to try to to grab as a physical symbol of like saying i won i have this i have that uh or they're not going to keep whoring it was like well i mean once you've made this much like what do you fucking need it's like <laughs> oh i need that gucci bag i need that uh valentino boots i need those some tiffany's gold i need this i need all the status symbols i need to grab all these status symbols but to actually make these things, you know, the markup and this stuff is just leather and stuff, right? Like it's unbelievable jewelry. Diamonds are everywhere and you can sell them for so much. And what you're selling is essentially external validation. I have this shiny rock on my finger. Well, and, uh, right. It means like I was able, it's a way of showing other women because uh, they never buy it for themselves. Some dude got me this. I'm important. <laughs> and those industries are just crawling with the worst people. This sugar daddy, sugar baby culture. It's disgusting. But like well, men validate themselves by look at the woman on my arm. It's not a real relationship. It's a trophy. Right? They want to be surrounded by girls with silicone and stuff because they feel like a man. Look, I got this hot chick. It's like, no, you didn't. You bought her. She don't like you. She likes... The well, stuff. they they <laughs> prey on this. They prey on this and they exploit it. I mean, they own the diamond mines. They own the gold mines. I know. And the um, girls are like, but, uh, they get the girl to use a, all this money she got from simps to either buy or get some guy to buy all the little trinkets. And who benefits from the trinkets and selling Balenciaga? You can buy like a shirt from Balenciaga like for like eighty bucks or eight hundred bucks, and it's just the shirt it says Balenciaga on it. I mean, shit, you could just print that on a regular shirt. It's ridiculous. It, it, it doesn't do anything. It's not like made of unbreakable fabric or something like that. It's just a status symbol, which they've created through the brainwashing of Hollywood magazines and stuff. Like this alpha female celebrity is wearing these kind of shoes and this kind of dress and this kind of handbag. And it's something, it's like bags and watches and stuff are perfect for this kind of hyper consumerism because you don't have to do anything. You hold the thing, and it's like now you look rich, yeah. which means you must be intelligent or have some kind of skill. How else could you get that money? Or you got some guy to pick you. Because if you look at female billionaires, not all, but most of them got that way right. by marrying a male billionaire and, and divorcing him. him. Yep. Or yep. by selling their vagina. Jeff Jeff like, Bezos' his wife. Yeah, ex Bezos' ex wife, ex-wife, ex Bill Gates' ex-wife. Kardashian had a sex tape. You know, she's famous for giving head or whatever and getting lots of plastic surgery. They're there by selling their bodies or finding some guy and taking his money. They didn't invent Windows. They didn't invent <laughs> Tesla. They didn't create Amazon. They didn't create anything. They found some simp and took his money. <laughs> There's some, maybe Oprah, whatever. She's a billionaire. She's also slept with thousands of people. Well, um, so... Do you, I don't know how much time you have, but uh, do you do you have anything to say about Harry Pasternak? The 
personal <laughs> trainer, quote unquote, of Kanye West? I mean, is he connected? And, well, is he connected to any of these? Numbers? Okay, yes, and I actually did a show about that. I'm sure you did, but I haven't. Dog. I haven't seen it though. So what a lot of people don't know is in these Hollywood circles, when you see Wolverine or like any of these Marvel movies or whatever, where some okay. dude just suddenly fucking jacked and shredded and all that, like how did this actor? without any drugs, <laughs> like suddenly get 3% body fat and gain 50 pounds of muscle in three months, whatever. It's not just steroids. These are designer drugs, right? Designer fat butter. And a lot of the musicians and stuff, my buddy knows the names of all the drugs and stuff, but they're on these things like that keep you awake for days, but not in a meth way where you're all high and then low. You're just kind of even keel, meh. This is all you know, MK Ultra, man. So, they, so you they, can work nonstop, do all your shows, all your concerts. You don't sleep. You're able to do it, but you can't do it unless you stay on the drugs. And it really messes with their minds. And they give them these designer drugs. Katy Perry, whoever, you need to lose weight, but keep your titties. Take this and that. Uh, <laughs> Elliot Page. Elliot Page is one of her. Well, his, right. Uh, exactly. Uh, and right. Gave her all this crap. I love this line from uh, this guy named Razor Fist online. I guess it's fucked up more than Elliot Page in an unlocked pharmacy. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. I always well, used to say that's fucked up more than a cricket caught in a hubcap. <laughs> but like they are giving these celebrities these designer drugs. And what it does, like they become, if you've ever seen that little scene in GTA, um, San Andreas where the, the black guy's like on his knees, like, I'll suck your dick, whatever, because he needs the drugs. <laughs> like, what happened to you, Big Bear? You used to be the big intimidating guy, and now you're like, you're just a complete bitch that'll suck dick for drugs, right? Well, a lot of these Hollywood people, their career, their everything, their mind is dependent on these trainers. They're like, oh, I'm going to train you. We're going to go to the gym and do the cycle and lift some weights. But the main thing is the access to the designer drugs. And they're all Israeli. Like, yeah, take these pills, take this, take that. And that gives them the body they want. That gives them the ability to stay awake really long, give them these superpowers for a short time. But it completely fucked up their brain. Completely right. messes them up. Like when Kanye was in and off, he's off the meds. Like, no, no, no. He was on the meds. That's what messed him up. Elliot Page is on the meds. All this guy is the same Pasternak. All of his, all of his uh, clients are fucked up. But what I want to ask them on is, drugs, is and he when they're connected on these drugs, to any of these they networks? Them to do the dumbest of things. Yeah, he's part of that Weinstein network. Okay, okay. Is this which uh, goes M back Epstein? to Black Cube and Ehud Barak and Jeffrey Epstein? Okay, Absolutely. so he you can connect him to them. He, well, like four times over, yeah. Okay, because this is not <laughs> something I've I've looked into, but I knew it must have been there. Oh yeah, it, it, Hollywood is so like, dude. Corey Feldman was right. Everything yeah. he said. Yeah. And they laughed at him. That he's like, he really loves Michael Jackson. He's emulated him and all that. He, he's really, you can see his glory days were the 80s and Goonies and, you know, and Michael's on set for that. He's like, the one guy everyone called a pedophile wasn't. Right. All right. So he's trying to exonerate right. him. Like, Jackson. You're, you're the one who that. convinced me that he's innocent, actually. You're the one who convinced me of that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's weird, and I did, you know, his father put him on uh, hormone blockers to keep his voice high and fucked him up. But he loved children in a way of like he wants to protect them all from what happened to him. 
Yeah. Right. And it's the old, the oldest motif in like superheroes, right? The difference between the villain and the hero, there's some trauma in their past. Let's take Batman, for example, or whatever. And it's just how they answer this one question. The villain looks at what happened to him and was like, fuck you. I'm going to take it. You know, fuck society. You did this to me. I'm getting revenge on all of you motherfuckers. The hero has that tragedy happen to him. And he says, I can never let this happen to anyone else. Right. And right. it depends on whether or not you're going to use that tragedy to fuel yourself and getting better so you can print that happening to other people. Or you can be like, screw you all. But, you know, they're taking the screw you all approach. To what end? But Michael so... Jackson was like, he didn't have a childhood, right? He was famous when he was seven, right? Eight years old or nine years old, Jackson five, right? He was on tour. He's pushing, singing, dancing. Like he didn't get to have a Neverland. He was very attracted to Peter Pan, where the story is you never grow up. Your boy's forever, never Neverland. Man, they say the guy who, who wrote Peter Pan himself was a pedo, but I don't know if that's true. I don't know, but like the Peter Pan story of Lost Boys, he named his his amusement park Neverland Ranch. Right, this is right, never right, Neverland, right. where kids get to be kids. And he got plastic surgery to the point where he looks like a little elf, a little nose, and looked like Peter Pan. Um, he wanted so bad to get his childhood back. And the best thing he could do was to provide uh, you know, a fantasy land for everyone else. Yeah, come ride the roller coasters, play with my monkey bubbles. Like he was in his head, matured to about eleven or twelve. Right. But he's a billionaire and expert singer and all that. But like he desperately wanted to have a childhood and Joe Jackson did not give him that. And, you know, he's a hardcore Christian scientist and, blah, 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 and fuck with his hormones and stuff. So he he like mentally did not mature and develop the way other men do. His voice stayed soft and everything. He had a very frail, small body and everything because they, they physically fucked with his hormones. Uh, he was one of the early uh, ones on hormone blockers. Well, it's really interesting what you said about Pasternak and these but, drugs. But the thing is, when you're on those kind of drugs, you don't become a pedophile. You become asexual. Yeah, yeah, You, you know. become unable to have sex with anybody, uh, which that's what, his that's... life is like pretty much how it was. Like, he was able to do it, you know, and he's able to kiss girls and stuff, but it wasn't. He does. He literally does not have the hormones. Dude, this is this is this is gonna be like paid subscribers only on Substack. But because even though what I'm about to say is true, you can't say this. But what you just said—that's why they kill themselves. What is it like? Forty percent of these people commit suicide. This is that's why. That's why what you just said. Well, yeah. I mean, I think they're fucked up to begin with, or they wouldn't even. Like these are people choosing to do it. Michael had it done to him, which is even worse. Which is different. Which, which yeah, is way even worse. worse. Yeah, right. But the ones that are choosing it, it's like, okay, you already got to screw loose to decide suddenly you want to be a man if you're a woman. A lot of women that become men kill themselves because it's so much harder to be a man than it is to be a woman. Yeah, and I they're know. not really men, and they're and not they, psychologically and, yeah. capable of dealing with the level of shit that you have to. Men don't know because they've never been a girl. So they're well, the like, other thing too is they still have their fucking problems. They still have their hormone, their hormonal shifts while they're while they're supposedly men. Well, I think but... I have some insight in like what it's like to be a woman, sorta, of. because like coming to Japan, 
suddenly I had all this privilege because it's neat. You're American. You're not Japanese. Everyone wants to help you do things for you because they're like, oh, you're learning another language. And they, they, you're just held to a way lower standard than everyone else. And you're, you're never accountable for anything. Oh, he doesn't understand. He doesn't know the culture. Blah, blah, blah. And it, which might actually be true. But it's still, it's like, damn, this is nice. Everybody fucking loves you, bends over backwards for you. You're not held accountable for anything. You're not, no one expects you to reason anything out. And it's like, that's nice. <laughs> I, I got to go to, I got to go to Japan. <laughs> yeah. But you know, what you were saying before about Pasternak and the drugs, he was hooking these people up, the designer drugs, the rock stars and the movie stars have to take. This is why Michael Jackson died because he was, he was taking these drugs that were able to keep yeah. him awake for days and days right. and days. And then he had to be given propofol, which lowers your yeah. blood pressure and your heart rate. To he was sleep. like 130 pounds, maybe, you know, because he, he, he's he's constantly metabolizing. He doesn't sleep enough, which is what you, you don't release growth hormones unless you sleep like 90 percent of them or whatever. Um, and they had him constantly awake, constantly working. They'd fucked him. The record labels had fucked him over the way they do everybody. Yeah. And he was so big. That he could fuck them back. Yeah, well, I don't know if yeah. you know his thing with Sony. Oh, I do. Like, yeah, I do. Yeah. So he he was like, "Yeah, I'm bigger than you." You know, I'll. He was like, "Oh, you need me to release this to me songs? Fine, I'll make a song, but it ain't gonna be any good." <laughs> like, Didn't he buy like all the Beatles, the rights to all the Beatles music? Yeah, like he was that rich. Yep, I mean, he owns it, but I'd rather him own it than them boys having it. It's not going to go to the remaining Beatles. I love, I love, that, you, I love, I love that you call them dumb boys. I've never heard that before. I stole that from Fresh and Fit. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be bringing this in. I'm gonna be introducing they, this to my, to they, my they crew. stole this. <laughs> yeah, I started that one. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, you know, what I wanted to say at the beginning is I don't, I don't have the, uh, the, the bell to ring, so we're gonna have to just say it. You need to buy. You need to get it. Yeah, just say ding or buy yourself a little death bell. Well, actually, I, I never... think it would be awesome if all these podcasters just started going dang. <laughs> <laughs> I just go. hope like at least one show they go, shout out to Ryan Dawson. I love creating monsters. Like a lot of this stuff, like the phrase God's not a real estate agent. I started that. Um, a lot of this crap about Israel um, is from me. <laughs> you know what I love? I had no idea you were a Ted Kaczynski guy. Like. It was just a coincidence. Huge. Yeah, I've been I, writing I, since 97. Yeah, it's just a coincidence that I was doing a podcast. At, well, because he just died. But, dude, it's you know what's awesome for me? Dude, it's it awesome. was my co-host and I started talking about Uncle Ted a few years ago. And this whole, like, red pill, alt-right, whatever the hell they call themselves, community, they all started discovering the manifesto and basically read about 11 paragraphs and about how bad he trash leftists. And we're like, oh, I love this guy. He had a resurgence around 2018 or so, yep. 2017, yep. because we I just started talking about Uncle Ted again. I always kind of like in the back of my head thought, ah, oh, they're not ready for this. He's just going to say, he's a serial killer. Fuck you. I'm like, did you read the manifesto? Yeah. Because if you, if you could at least read that, that'll start you. But what happens is people don't, either they don't know that he wrote other books and essays and things. I always say systems need a trick. I told you about it today. Very easy read. Eight pages, nine pages. Very simple. But you know, technological slavery is a whole a whole book he wrote. There's some good stuff. Yeah, tech. Yeah, technological. Yeah. Slavery. I encourage you, man. Yeah, if you like the manifesto, 
or if any part of that resonated with you, even you're like, well, I agree with this, but disagree yeah. with that. That's normal, by the way. Read the rest of this stuff. Well, I, uh, dude, one of the things I love about this conversation we're having is I'm like pretty, pretty on the right now politically, but I come from like the pre 2008. Yeah. That, that's a lot better than being on the wrong. Yeah, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is the left. But uh, I come from like the pre-2008 libertarian milieu, like prior to like 2008, 2009, when CNBC started. Uh, what was it called? The libertarian wing, the Tea Party. That's what uh, that's I mean, when it that that's, that was kind of outgrowth of Dr. Paul. But yeah, of um, course. No, of course. Yeah, yeah. You know, even prior to Ron Paul, like the most libertarian person that. I guess ascended to that got the most attention in media was probably John Stossel. Yeah. Oh my God. I remember him. He had a show. Like, I was like, what, there's that was... one guy with a mustache that actually makes some sense sometimes. I remember thinking that as a little kid. Where was it? Was, like, his, was his show on Fox? He, he, he had a show a of, on some yeah. channel. Yeah. He did. He was on TV. And I was like, why does this guy get to talk? Like he, he challenged it. He's like, is it though? And he was like, is that true? And he had a really great journalist. And he's kind of, um, I'm promoting him now because before Crowder and all these people that they, they kind of took his shtick, you know, Hey, yeah, a lot of people what? did like that's John Stossel. And he, he's just not getting the credit he ought to and not getting the money he ought to either. Well, they, yeah. And they even had that guy uh, from Ferris Bueller. What the fuck you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to print out a picture of John Stossel, Justin Raimondo. Cause he's a King that doesn't get enough credit either. Um, and some others I can think of, like Thomas Sowell. Uh, that's going to be in my background. Yeah, jo John Stossel was on the Fox Business Network. I remember him. I remember he was. Him. Yeah, he was. But I remember, dude, I read the I read the Unabomber Manifesto in like 2000, like the year 2000. Like, I remember. Pretty early, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I remember it came out and uh, people were talking about like, well, this says a lot of true things in there, but believe it or not. Uh, so I finally went and read it. And it kind of informed a lot of my. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with Neil Reaction, Curtis Yarvin, hey, or Menchus Molbug. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, the most intolerant wins. Um, I got to go. Okay, like that it's that's like a very juicy, tempting thing that I would like to discuss. But I told you I had twenty, and I'm going to eat lunch. All right, wife, my, all right, my friend. <laughs>